This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. When we look back today uh, on this, um, I always think one of the cruelest things you can do to people uh, in, in, when they come to church is ask them to read the Bible publicly when they're not used to doing it. And then give them one of those passages that are full of names uh, that no one's ever heard of and they've got to try to pronounce them. Uh, you know, it's very difficult. Um, but it's a reminder when you, when you see these lists, you see that especially of the nations around about uh, Israel, and you, you read about the Girgashites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and, the, and so on, uh, and uh, very few people uh, know how to say these names uh, for the simple reason that the people concerned have disappeared. Uh, I mean, who were the Girgashites? Where are they now? Uh, you know, uh, nobody really has any idea. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to find out, uh, but uh, the, these names are not on the tip of everybody's tongue. And uh, when you look at the world today and ask yourself, well, of the nations mentioned in the Bible, of the great countries like Assyria, Babylonia, and so on, uh, who are there, um, which ones are, exist today? I mean, in some cases, like Egypt, uh, the you know, there is a country called Egypt today, but modern Egypt is a totally different place uh, from ancient Egypt. I mean, there's no pharaoh, and they're not building pyramids and that kind of thing. So that, that civilization has disappeared completely. The only nation which has survived in anything like uh, its ancient form is Israel. Uh, I mean, Israel with the same scriptures, Israel with the same uh, beliefs, uh, Israel with the same focus, if you like, around, you know, despite the fact uh, that there's also probably no nation in human history that has suffered more over a long, longer period of time than they have. Uh, you know, and not only this, I mean, not only has Israel been preserved despite everything, um, you know, over millennia, um, the contribution of Israel, of the Jewish people, to, uh, to wider culture and civilization has been vastly out of proportion to their numbers. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know how many Jews there are in the world today, but probably something along the line, uh, about 12 million or so, uh, somewhere in that range. Um, if you take a, a comparable nationality, uh, I mean, someone of a, sim of a similar size, uh, you see what I mean, uh, you know, something like, uh, for example, the Bulgarians or, um, you know, the Afghans or, uh, or, or something like this, uh, and ask yourself, well, you know, have they made a comparable contribution um, to, to, to human life? And the answer, I, I think, has to be no, they haven't. Now, there may be all sorts of reasons why they haven't and, and so on, but, but the Jewish people have, have risen to the top 
um, in many fields. I mean, not you know, in finance, business, and, and education, and so on. Uh, you know, Jews are always overrepresented um, uh, in the professions and, and at the higher levels of society, despite the fact that they have been persecuted, uh, and that it has not been easy for them to do this. I mean, this is not. Um, it's not because people have opened doors and, and, and pushed them through. It's in spite of all of this, uh, you see, that they have managed to uh, achieve uh, things that other uh, nations uh, have not. I mean, the only other nation I can think of uh, which uh, lived in exile or has lived in exile for a long period of time uh, would be the gypsies. The Roma people, you know, who emigrated from India and sort of spread to Europe and so on and spread around. And but while there are plenty of them around uh, in different ways, I mean, they haven't really done anything, um, uh, you know, comparable in terms of uh, human culture and, and, and life and so on. I mean, they haven't made a contribution uh, to uh, Western society uh, that could in any way be compared to that of the Jews. And so quite apart from faith and religious belief and so on, um, I think there is an extraordinary phenomenon here um, that has to be taken into consideration. I mean, any other nation um, that lost its homeland, uh, that lost its identity, that lost its language and so on, would almost certainly have disappeared, you know, and, and just been forgotten. But the Jews retained their identity, they retained their uh, beliefs, uh, and of course have come back um, after genocide uh, in, within living memory um, and are, are probably now stronger than they've ever been. Um, uh, you, you know, in, in the uh, nation of Israel, and Israel, uh, in a curious, although it's a small country uh, with very little going for it in, in economic terms, I mean, they don't have oil, uh, this kind of thing, nevertheless has uh, made a tremendous impact on the world. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not suggesting we, we should be pro, I'm not making a comment on Israeli politics and being pro or anti or anything like that, but just standing back and objectively observing, uh, you know, what has gone on, I mean, this is a truly remarkable achievement. Um, and you have to ask yourself why, uh, you know, why this nation and no other? Uh, why is there nothing comparable in the world? Not only that, I mean, having said all that, Judaism uh, or the Jewish people, in, their, in, in another way, have um, uh, contributed, shall we say, I don't know what the word to use is, but uh, they have certainly given rise in, in different ways to Christianity on the one hand. I mean, Christianity came out of Judaism, out of the Jewish world, and in a different way, Islam. Uh, also, you see, so the impact of, of the Jews and Judaism has been much wider um, than, uh, than, than would be seen just from them. And again, you have to say to yourself, why them? Uh, you know, why have they had this impact when, say, the Tibetans haven't? Uh, I mean, Tibet, Tibetans have had some impact with Buddhism and so on, uh, but nothing like uh, you know what the Jews have have uh, uh, have achieved uh, in, in that way, and so I think we're entitled uh, to ask the question at least. Um, uh, you know where 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 has this extraordinary history come from? Uh, why is it them and not anybody else? And of course, the biblical answer, the Christian answer, is 
this has happened because these people have been chosen by God. Uh, and uh, if you then say, as skeptics always do, um, well, why them? You know, um, why them and not somebody else? There basically is no answer to this other than the answer that God has given uh, in Deuteronomy uh, because of his love for them, not because of their achievements, uh, you see, for him. It's definitely come from him. Now, I've said all of this because uh, this picture, this, this uh, image that we have set before us is a model uh, for not the Christian church on the one hand, and also for the individual believer on the other. Now, election in biblical terms, uh, historical terms, is not primarily individual. Abraham was an individual, yes. Um, uh, you know, and so was Isaac and so was Jacob. But uh, when God speaks to them and, and talks to them about election, it's in the context of their family, their descendants, the nation which will come from them. So the, the, the whole idea of election, uh, as you see it in the Old Testament, has always been um, that of a people, of a nation, uh, of a collective group uh, who are, uh, as a group, elect. You know, the, and, uh, and this also carries over uh, into the New Testament, where the word elect or election is always used uh, of, uh, uh, of more than one person at the same time. So that, um, you know, when you get John writing his letters, uh, this is 2 John, 3 John, uh, he writes, it's the elder, John the elder, writing, he puts it in the singular, to the elect lady and her children, uh, but the elect lady is clearly the church. Uh, you know, and her children, and it's the church which is caught up and uh, in this. And uh, we hear that, you know, the, the sufferings which the church w uh, has to undergo, um, that, you know, God says he will shorten the days uh, for the sake of his elect. Uh, and the understanding, of course, being uh, for the sake of his people, uh, not for specific individuals uh, as such. So the, the question of election and how we, we uh, look at this, um, I think, has to be seen primarily um, uh, in the plural, primarily as a collective thing. Uh, and this is important because it's quite obvious uh, from the history of Israel that it's possible to belong to the chosen people, to be in that sense elect, without being saved. Because this is another thing, you see. I mean, I've talked about the preservation of Israel through the centuries. Uh, that is true. But uh, in actual fact, of course, it is a preservation of a remnant. Uh, and this is quite clear uh, from uh, the Old Testament itself because Jacob was the father of 12 sons. These are the 12 tribes uh, uh, of Israel uh, initially, uh, but uh, over the course of time, 10 of those tribes are taken away uh, and they disappear. Uh, you know, the 10 northern tribes, only two tribes, uh, Jake, uh, Judah and Benjamin, are left uh, in the end. So the Jewish people, and we, the reason we call them Jewish today, uh, from, Jude, from Judah, 
this is a reminder um, that really uh, it's only one or two tribes um, uh, of the original 12 uh, who, who have survived, uh, you know, in, as a conscious uh, entity and so on. So that too uh, is, is part of the picture. You see that the, um, there's been a sifting and a, uh, a kind of sorting out within the chosen people. Now this has an implication for the church because if the church has inherited the promises made to Israel, if the church is identified today as God's elect people, God's chosen people, the same question arises, uh, well, first of all, um, we can accept that the church has done nothing to deserve this. I mean, you know, Christians are not chosen uh, on their merits. Uh, belonging to the church is not like belonging to some kind of honor society. Uh, you know that, that where, where only the elite uh, are admitted. It's not like uh, Nobel Prize winners or so on get to be church members. I mean, it's, it's nothing like this. Um, it is a, a, a real mixed bag. Um, and indeed, we are told this in the, in the New Testament. I mean, Paul writes to the Corinthians uh, and basically says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he, he says, look around you. He said, there are not many wise, not many, uh, not many rich, not many powerful in your church, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, you know. And I travel around the United States and I look at the, the sort of neon, uh, they're not really billboards, what are they, sort of notice boards, you know, that you see outside churches, the sort of lit up things and, 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 and people advertising their services. And I've yet to see one that quotes this verse. You see, God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Uh, you know, come and join us. We're a bunch of idiots. Um, of course, uh, all you have to do is be called to pastoral ministry and be sent to a church when you realize immediately the truth of this uh, saying. Um, but uh, you don't say it too loudly in the congregation because you might not last very long. Um, you know, um, uh, that... Uh, the Christian church is full of idiots. Um, I mean, it really is. And uh, people, that, people that you would never choose, uh, you, you know, to, to, to run a business uh, or, or anything like this. Um, and sometimes they can be quite embarrassing. And the church is full of these. You know, it's always been full of people like this. I mean, uh, over the centuries. I'm not trying to be critical of them. It's just a reality. The New Testament tells us this. You know, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Um, but, uh, you know, having said that, of course, the, the whole point is um, that although we bumble along and although, you know, we're, we're not terribly brilliant or, ter or anything like this, um, because we are chosen by God, we are protected and we are, uh, we are given a mission in the world which is bigger than we are. Uh, and this is actually very, very comforting, you see, because, uh, I mean, it take the story of David and Goliath. I mean, I know that's not Christian, but still, it, it, it shows the, 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 the principle at work. Um, I mean, Goliath is this giant, uh, you know, who's threatening uh, Israel and so on. Who's going to fight him? 
And of course, the temptation is always, well, we've got to produce a race of giants, um, you know, who are going to fight the giants. I mean, like against like. Um, and I mean, there are even, you know, people uh, within the church, within the sort of umbrella of the church, who, um, who think like this, you know, and sort of will set up sort of boot camps for, for young Goliaths and, um, uh, you know, how to sort of prepare people for uh, a sword ministry or something, um, you know, of, of, of this kind. And trying, well, trying to use, well, what I'm trying to say is trying to use the, the, the weapons of the world to defeat the world, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it could be anything at any time. And, of course, the message of David is, um, you know, God uses unlikely people, chooses unlikely people uh, that you and I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't think of, uh, and they are the ones who defeat the giant. Uh, you know, that, uh, that God can, can, can use anybody. And this is a tremendously liberating and democratic thing. Uh, because out of nowhere, uh, you know, will come somebody um, uh, who will be the savior in Israel. Uh, and indeed, Jesus suffered from this. Uh, you see, Jesus, in the eyes, we know, of course, that Jesus was a descendant of David and so on, but uh, in the eyes of his contemporaries, the people who met him, first of all, he wasn't necessarily very impressive. You know, when Jesus sort of went around, started preaching and teaching and so on, uh, you know, somebody like Nathaniel sitting under his tree said, could any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, you've got to be joking. You know, who is this man? Um, uh, you know, he's a redneck from Galilee and uh, is clearly not going to get anywhere. I mean, he's not, not one of the priests of the establishment in Jerusalem and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, that picture that we have... Now, I say this not, you know, uh, to be in any way critical, but to be encouraging, because um, many of us uh, think, you know, that God will never use you and me because we're not important enough. Uh, and the number of people who, who uh, even in their prayer life, you know, they, uh, I know people, I mean, I'm like this myself sometimes. I think, well, I'm not going to bother God with that, you know, so I've got some sort of prayer request or something but I mean you know God's got a universe to run he, he's not going to be concerned about me and my my petty needs and, and concerns and, and so on I mean who am I um, you know um, I'm just a very small person very unimportant person uh, and and he really doesn't care about me uh, in that way and there's not much I can do you know I'm not going to do anything um, uh, myself and uh, and yet the message you see time and time again is um, uh, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. I mean, who were the disciples of Jesus? They weren't the intellectuals of the time. I mean, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors, you know. I mean, would you go to the IRS and, and claim disciples, uh, uh, you know, from... Uh, well, that's basically what Jesus did. Uh, you know, not the kind of people you would you would normally uh, choose. You see what I mean? The unlikely ones, um, and 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 they transform the world. Uh, you know, through their, their 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 ministry and teaching and so on. And so the the whole concept of election of grace and so on is very very important. 
uh, for us because not only is it a witness to the sovereignty of God, to the power of God, to the grace of God in salvation and so on, uh, but also to the validity uh, uh, of our calling. Uh, that if God is at work in your life, uh, if God has chosen you, then he will bless you and he will, he will fill you with the, his Holy Spirit and he will give you uh, the strength and the power that you need to accomplish the task which he has set before you, um, regardless of you know, your natural uh, talents or capacities. I mean, the fact that you are not a very impressive person in the world's eyes uh, is neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, this is a promise that we have as Christians. This is something that we have to remember. And time and again, um, I mean, through the history of the church, uh, you get this sort of thing. Uh, you know, people who, uh, who are in themselves insignificant from the world's point of view, uh, but who do things that are, are quite remarkable. I mean, one... Uh, I came across uh, again, I mean, I, I knew her story, but uh, I came across just recently again for some reason. It was sort of brought to my attention. Um, a, a little girl called Mary Jones um, in Wales in the early 19th century uh, who walked something like 25 miles, uh, you know, in order to try to buy a Bible uh, because she, there was nowhere to buy a Bible and she didn't know where she could get one and so on. And... Uh, she found her way into some um, uh, pastor's house and the pastor was very surprised and impressed. You know, who is this girl? Uh, why has she come all this way? Uh, how are we going get, to get her a Bible? Anyway, the, the, the long and short of it was that, um, you know, he found her a Bible, he gave her a Bible, and then he was so convicted in his heart and mind uh, that, you know, this wasn't readily available that he started the Bible Society. And so the Bible Society today, and essentially the Gideon Bible that you find in the, you know, the drawer of every hotel that you, you, you go into, um, ultimately goes back to that. Uh, you know, that, that sort of initiative of one little girl, um, you know, who got up and, and, and just wanted a Bible. And um, uh, I mean, that's a very famous example and so on, but it's, it's, it's one that um, you know, can be replicated time and again. And uh, you often hear this, don't you? You hear people who um, uh, are, are very sort of unimportant in, in some ways. They come from nowhere, but, but they get a, a vision, they get an idea and, and so on, and, and they run with it. And they're not necessarily Christians or very obviously Christians, but because they come from a Christian kind of culture where this sort of thing is, is, is accepted and even expected, um, they succeed uh, in a way that in another culture where you, you just don't do that sort of thing, uh, you know, especially not if you're a woman, um, uh, you know, that, that, that it wouldn't even begin. You know, you know what I mean? The opportunity is there. The, the opportunity is there because the expectation is there because the example is set. Uh, it's part of our, uh, our DNA uh, uh, as Christians that God can actually choose anybody, um, you know, and, and uh, if he has and if they're going to run with it, uh, nothing will stop them. 
uh, you know, uh, and, and, and the, as I say, unlikely people, not necessarily poor people or obscure people. I mean, somebody like Francis of Assisi, for instance, wasn't poor uh, and, and wasn't particularly obscure either, uh, but he was sort of the other, uh, the opposite end. Uh, I mean, a sort of rich young playboy type, um, you know, who, who got convicted and, and just gave it all up and, and turned around and, and uh, started a movement. The church didn't like it. I mean, you know, he, he caused a lot of trouble um, uh, it, it, when, when he started his, his mission work uh, and so on because this just wasn't accepted in, in, in the society in which he lived. And he had to battle uh, quite a long time, you know, for, for recognition and so on. Uh, but today, of course, everybody admires him and honors him. Uh, for having done this. Again, uh, you know, if God puts his, his hand on somebody and says, this is what you're going to do, um, you know, away you go and, and no force can stop you. And this is, this is, I think, vitally important to our sense of what being a child of God is all about. You know, that we are, we are elect, we are chosen, we are part of, um, uh, you know, a mission uh, uh, that is part, uh, the plan of God. And uh, if we are given a task to do, if we are given a vision, uh, that God will, in fact, uh, uh, vindicate us. God will, will bless us and God will uh, honor, uh, you know, what he has uh, initiated. Courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.